Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. Learn from extraordinary leaders and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it truly takes to become a network marketing hero. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools at blissbusiness.com. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for coming. We have a sellout crowd tonight. Adam, you've uh, attracted twice as many people as any guest so far, so there must be something intriguing about your story. So... Uh, for those of you in the listening audience, if this is your first hero call, these interviews uh, are a little different than you might be used to. We focus on the hero's call on statistics. We certainly get the story of the hero that we're uh, interviewing, but we drill down on exactly how they did it and what kind of numbers they posted up on the board, uh, You know, what kind of momentum they created in the first 90 days and the first year how many people they personally sponsored, and what kind of geometric progressions they created out of that. And uh, our guest tonight um, is uh, a youngster in the industry. He started at the age of 22. He's been building his organization for only two and a half years. He is one of the new breed of network marketers on the planet in that he actually grew up in the home of network marketers because his parents were networkers. So <clears throat> he's got a phenomenal story and a phenomenal business, and he is blowing through thousands and thousands of four-year career books. So let's get to meet him. Adam, I'm going to start hey, off by uh, asking you to tell the group a little bit about your backstory. So this, let's talk a little bit about before you got involved in network marketing, you know, tell us about your parents' involvement and what you thought of it when you first got involved and, and uh, you know, where you live and all that kind of stuff. Red Deer, Red Deer I'll, I, did I say Red Beer? Yep, Red Deer. <clears throat> Red Deer, Alberta, Canada, which is not the epicenter of network marketing. No, not at all. But it might be before 2014's out. So tell us the story. So uh, I'm only 24 year old, years old right now. Um, I went to uh, school for kinesiology, got a two-year diploma, uh, and went and became a personal trainer, which I did full-time for two and a half years before I resigned from my personal training position in November 2011. Um, my parents have been with our network marketing company for 14 years. They got solely involved for the, the product. In fact, they resented the fact that it was MLM or network marketing because they had a previous uh, stigma towards it. So pretty much for the first eight years of their 14, they actually did not engage in any uh, someone's called business building activities. They tried to keep it a big old secret. And so I actually found out about the, the network marketing model or opportunity through a different company's opportunity presentation. Uh, when I was a, a young lad in college, one of my high school friends hooked up with me over Christmas break um, for Chinese food and told me about this great opportunity he had for financial freedom and uh, drug me out to a home presentation. Uh, went from that presentation about three more meetings, went through their process and almost signed up with them uh, except I wasn't fully behind their product line and so I didn't end up signing the dotted line and I went through the process of looking at three or four other network marketing opportunities until uh, my parents finally kind of pulled me aside and said, okay, you're really excited about the earning opportunity uh, with network, but these products you've used since you were 10 years old, you know them, you like them, you're using them anyway without the business model, so why don't you give that a go? And that's kind of how I started got it, uh, rolling with, with my current company. Um, it's the only company I've ever uh, built with, so I'm... I'm with my, my current home, and uh, yeah, so we've been, we've been, had a great journey together, my parents and my sponsors, and it's, <laughs> it's great to be able to provide them with a uh, you know, retirement income as well, because everything I do benefits them, of course. That's a beautiful model. All right, I want to drill down on the gentleman that introduced you, Adam, initially to the income opportunity. Can you remember 
what he said that got your attention? I don't know exactly. I know that there are some circles drawn, and I got the idea that there was a leveraged income opportunity that I didn't have to uh, put in. I was working as a trainer 40, 50 hours a week, working split shifts, making $30,000, $35,000 a year, and uh, that, that exactly wasn't the dream lifestyle. And so I think I was at the perfect point where I was open to learning about something new. I pretty much only went and looked just because I wanted to support him in his new uh, business, give it a look and keep an open mind. And, uh, and then from there, I kind of got excited about it. Okay. So the idea of leverage sounds like that might have caught your attention <clears throat> where you get to be earning on other people's efforts besides your own. Yes. All right. So tell us about all right, your parents say, hey, why not – you know, stay at home here and, and promote these products and build a business with products you've been using since you're 10 years old. And so what did you do inside your company initially to, like, figure out, all right, well, how, how do I promote the income opportunity here? Because I know your company historically is just very retail-oriented, really high-quality products that people just love and, and keep buying forever. And so where did you go inside the company to learn about how do I launch the income opportunity? What, what did you find that helped you get that going? I, I didn't have much of a launch. It was, it was a very slow start. Um, I, I played around as a hobby with it. Uh, you know, you treat your business like a hobby, you get paid like a hobby. You treat it like a business, you get paid like a business. And so I was a, a hobby builder um, before I went full-time in November 2011. Our company is very product-focused, so there wasn't uh, a system particularly in place. I learned from some uh, other cross-line uh, mentors, but I really had, I had no concept of duplication. I had no idea how a network marketing business was actually built. Um, although my parents are using the products, they're not network marketers by trade. They've, they don't, uh, they've never taken skill-oriented training. They've never really had anything to pass down in that sense for me, so we kind of learned together. And it wasn't honestly until I started studying industry materials, looking at third-party resources, stumbling upon books like yours last May, that I really started to really grow and launch. But uh, I didn't exactly have like a 90-day game plan or blitz to launch my business. It was, it was a very slow and steady, especially since I pretty much always led with the product, which I know is very different than pretty much any other trainer or book out there will tell you to do. Everything's usually about leading with the business and you can at least fall back in your product, where I would say 95% of my builders were product-first users. Um, they love the product, and then after using it, you know, they realize most people do network marketing every single day. You just don't get paid for it. And so I basically had a, a massive business built on converting product users into business builders. Okay. Tell me about some of the materials that you found, besides mine. We'll get to mine later. What did you find out there in the generic industry that you read or you watched? Who did you study, and what kind of influence did they have on you? I've gone through Duplication Nation with Randy Gage probably 10, 15 times. It's what I listen to in the gym for, for months and months. We use GoPro by Eric Worre with our group. We just got the Sarah Robbins book because my demographic's a female demographic, so they really relate to her just as a female builder. Um, I have I order by the thousands, both Darren Hardy's on the compound effect and your first seven days in business, uh, like developing an entrepreneur's mindset. I think you can get them off of his success store for like three bucks a copy. And then also Jim Rohn, building your network marketing business. So those are our four main ones aside from four-year career. We order those in by the thousands, as you know. And then I also studied as far as uh, leadership development. I went through... Um, uh, Woodward and Brady's book, uh, The Launching a Leadership Revolution, that was good for me to develop my different stages of leadership and get to lead the group I have right now. Okay, and you've been to uh, a few generic events. What events have you been to and what did you get out of those? Um, I went to the Mastermind 10 or 9 or whichever one it was this past fall in Orlando in November. And then I went to Eric Worre's uh, GoPro Recruiting Mastery in December. Those are my first two generic industry events that I've ever been to. It, the cool thing for me was learning from people who I'd read all their books. You know, meeting Randy Gage was pretty cool because I've gone through his stuff numerous times. But hearing it, hearing in person, being surrounded by other professionals, it really helped me develop a more professional posture and seeing that there's hundreds of companies out there. Um, we don't have to act like competitors. We can be colleagues. 
Um, I think our Jonak, that's who I heard it from at least, was a rising tide raises all ships, and that if we act as colleagues instead of competitors, we can elevate the entire profession in a, in a lot more positive way and maybe create a slightly better uh, reputation or stigma towards our uh, network marketing. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so let's talk about your numbers. Uh, you've been rolling now for two and a half years, and you didn't have like a blitz launch or any kind of 90-day launch. You just sort of started putting numbers up on the board. So let's start with, in the last two and a half years, how many people have you personally sponsored? Um, my, my total personal recruits is 122. <laughs> in two and a half years, I love that. That's beautiful. It's, it's even like that's my two and a half years is full time, and I had some hobby recruits from beforehand. So like that's my entire lifetime career of recruiting people is hundred or hundred twenty two. Okay, beautiful. And out of that hundred and twenty two, how many leadership legs do you have that are driving? And how we de define that is if you you know went on vacation for 10 years or something, they would continue building, they have momentum, their legs are going deep, and it's not that you're not helping and supporting them, but if you didn't, you would have residual income and it would be growing because you got leadership legs that are driving deep. Out of 122, how many do you have? Six. Six. It's <laughs> a beautiful thing. And I asked you, Adam, because you have some beautiful numbers to put together sort of a geometric progression chart for the people on the call tonight. And I actually haven't heard if you've done that yet, but I'll bet you have at least put some numbers together. Can you tell the group, you know, if you remember how many people you sponsored the first year and the size of your total group? Yep. Um, so I, I went full-time November 2011. I technically uh, had my first account in April of 07 just as a product user to get products at college because, again, I've been using these products for a long time. When I quit in November 2011, uh, so that would be almost four years of uh, hobby business slash product user, I had 252 members um, at that point. So that's, again, like four years of time, 252 people. My first year, we had 561 people from November to November. Year two, we had 6,137 join, and that takes us up to November 2013. And then the f past three months, we've had 3,029 join, which puts us on pace for about 15,000 this year. We've got just over 10,000 members in my group now, and last month we recruited 1,700. <laughs> I love it. And uh, Adam and I were on the, on the phone, uh, I don't know, two or three days ago, something like that, and he had 9,997 people in his group, and he estimated he'd go through 10,000 while he was talking to me. Did that happen, Adam? It did. Well, we're at a, we're at over 150 above that now. Yeah, that's sweet. Hey, fantastic numbers. So if you just take, you know, growth can flatten out. Growth can, you know, go in all kinds of gyrations. But if you just look at the kind of run that Adam's on, ladies and gentlemen, you know, he's on pace to have, you know, 50,000 distributors in his group this time next year and or maybe in two years. And, you know, that's just that's a phenomenal story. So, Adam, tell us, you, your group actually is, you know, I think there's about a half a dozen so far custom editions of the four-year career, and that's where organizations or companies have their own stories in the back of the book. They're not a dozen generic stories. They're a dozen stories from that particular organization or company. And you've been doing that now since, I think, uh, last summer. Yep, June. Yeah, and you sell, distribute, put in the hands of prospects and new distributors more custom edition of the four-year career than any company in the profession. How do you use it? What does it do for you? How do you teach people to use it? I think it's a great no-hype, no-nonsense tool for quickly educating a new builder, a prospect, or even you know a long-term builder on how the profession works, how it should work, the idea of a two- to four-year plan of financial freedom, 
cuts out the myths, gets rid of the hype, which I, is just rampant still. And especially if you spend too much time on Facebook, you'll just see a, a lot of hype or pre-launches or whatever. And I think it just really gets down to the basics of how things work, how it's built. And the nice thing, any uh, long-term networker will know the importance of third-party tools. But, it, you know, that tool can train someone in 45 minutes. You can hammer through a book easy. So if I order 5,000 copies and get them in the hands of 5,000 people, I don't have to train those 5,000 members. So I, my time is that much more leveraged. Brian Crothers talked about, you know, whoever gets the most tools out in the marketplace will, will do the best or have the most growth. So we really picked on, um, you know, our top resources or tools we want to use. And yours is the one that we use for, you know, educating people on how the business works, how to build, what to expect. And it just makes it so much easier to have a, a professional goal-setting conversation afterwards or just have them have a realistic expectation of, of what this is going to take. And then to be able to look at those custom stories in the back. So for our company, I specifically pick different people from different demographics, whether it's, you know, me being a young guy, a couple stay-at-home moms, a couple uh, other guys, uh, older couples, you know, people from a variety of backgrounds. So no matter what, you can relate to one person in the back, and, and everyone knows that facts tell and stories sell. So honestly, if, if someone says they don't really want to read it, I say, well, just read the back part, read the stories. And I think after someone reads those stories, you know, they're two pages each. Like, if, if you hand 20 young guys my story, you're probably going to have a, a slightly better chance of recruiting them or having to, them look at your opportunity if they can connect with, with someone who's been in the same position, resonate with their story. So I think those stories are super powerful. Yeah, one of the things I heard, oddly enough, uh, another 24-year-old wonder kind of network marketing that uses the book told me is he, he actually doesn't ask people to read it because he reminded me, you know what, people today, they don't read much, especially if they're, you know, under the age of 40. They just weren't raised as readers. And so what he tells people is, hey, just, you know, buzz through this book, look at the look at the pretty pictures and you know, here I flagged uh, a couple of stories in the back, read those. And he finds that by telling people that, that they actually agree to look at the book more readily because if you say, hey, read this book, they're like, oh, book, read, that's going to take weeks. So that's cool. And one of the things about you, Adam, that is really cool is your demographic and your leadership. So you're not, you know, one, one of these young guns who is recruiting a bunch of college kids. Not that you couldn't, but your demographic in your business is interesting because you're 24, 25 years old, and the people that you're leading and inspiring and recruiting are who? Everyone, for the most part, is older. Uh, average demographic, I'd say, is young moms, 28 to 34 years old, one to three kids at home. Um, we've got some older people for sure, but I'd say our, our core leadership is uh, young moms out of our you know, 80 to 90 leadership level members in our group. Only one of them is a guy. So it's pretty much all women I work with. And, uh, you know, I, I probably could have made a lot of excuses when I was starting out saying, you know, it's female, female oriented, female driven. Uh, I'm too young. Don't know what I'm talking about with these things, especially in the mom market. I don't have children. I don't plan on having children anytime super soon. <laughs> and, uh, and so like to be, to be work with that demographic probably was slightly scary to start off with. But it's, you know, I think it proves that you can really tap in any market you choose to. That's just the niche that I've worked my way into. And, and then with a lot of personal development and third-party tools, you can do anything. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us, 122 people, most of them, you know, younger moms, kids, at, uh, kids and maybe some of them are single moms, married with husbands who probably have an opinion about them getting in business. Where do you find your prospects? And how do you introduce them to the idea? How do you start conversations? And where do you start conversations? So everything with us is 99% is of the time product-driven still, unless someone's you know, really complaining about their job or how they want to stay at home with their kids or, or something that's really screaming business opportunity. I follow lots of Big Al stuff, and you know, people say, do you lead with the product or lead with the business? He says, lead with common sense. 
And <laughs> so, so for the most part, I, I feel like everyone in the world could use my product, and especially people who are more interested in natural ways of living and moms want to have natural options at home for their children. So it just worked out with that demographic. Um, I found my first real big builder at a, a mom and baby trade show. It was a, a movie screening slash trade show of a, a movie film called The More Business of Being Born. It's like a natural birthing thing. I actually saw someone give birth on the screen. It was disturbing because I was 22 <laughs> at the time. And I, I, I always tell that story, and all the moms love it, but I say, like, I, I saw things that day I should never have seen at that point in my life. Um, but, but, you know, I, I just quit my job. I had no idea what I was doing, and I was basically just like, I just need to get some exposures and, and go out and meet people. I found trade shows were a really easy way to get rid of fear. Because I think fear is probably the number one thing that holds people back. They're afraid of talking to people, afraid of rejection. And once you do a couple of trade shows, you realize that no one's ever going to assault you. No one's, they're just going to move along if they don't want to talk to you. And so it helped me to work through my fear of rejection. And, and I basically just went out through procuring lots of product users, people who would appreciate and enjoy the product. Uh, I didn't exactly target the mom market at the beginning. I was just doing anything to get my hands on because I needed to make money. And then once I got into the mom market... Home presentations have been our uh, our backbone. I, again, everything I learned, I probably learned through trial and error because I didn't have as many mentors as I would have liked growing up in my career to tell me what works and what doesn't work. And so basically I tried to tie everything eventually into a home presentation because those duplicate a lot better. And, and once I got in with a couple of these moms, then they had the networks that I didn't have with the exact same demographic we're working with now. And then it's, again, it's not who you know, it's who they know. That's how the, the progression model works. And so once, once I found my, my key people, then it's just been helping them leverage their groups, teaching them how, how to build. I'd say 95% of my group, if not more, are first-time network marketers, no previous experience. And almost every single person, except for maybe five probably, came into uh, our company likely even telling their sponsor, I do not want to sell anything. I don't want to do the business. I just want to use the product. So our, our running joke is we've got, everyone's got these accidental businesses. And so w with our product, it works well that you can have someone, you know, start using the product and then within a month or two, they're probably going to want to build. Because again, most people do network marketing every day. They just don't get paid for it. If your product isn't good enough that people would use it without a compensation plan, then then it's probably not, not the best home, in my opinion. That's why I've tried leading with the business, and I, I'm great at it when I do do it. But I feel like that if, it, if money is the only thing that's attracted someone to your business, there's always going to be money somewhere else. And I, I feel super comfortable with my business. I don't I'm not afraid of any of my leaders being scooped up. I'm not afraid of any type of cross-recruiting or anything like that because everyone 100% came for the product. And as long as the product stays consistent, high quality, we've been around for 20 years. It's not going anywhere in that sense. So it's stable. I feel like we're as bulletproof as you can get. But with, the, with leading with the business all the time, if money is the only thing that got people there, there's always going to be money somewhere else. And that's why I think, first and foremost, you have to absolutely love your product and truthfully honest, honestly answer, would you use that product if you would never get paid for it ever again, if they switch models, uh, if they just said, hey, we're going to go retail, you have to buy the product, no compensation. And if you wouldn't, then that's a scary point. And when I first started, I know one of the questions you probably want to ask is what were some of my dumbest mistakes. I had a little bit of the shiny object syndrome where I kind of would like, oh, there's some hype going on over here. And I looked at a couple other businesses. And at one point, I, I, I kind of tried to build like another business alongside uh, my Whoa. current company. I know again because no one told me that. don't fish. No one told me don't fish from two boats. <laughs> and that you and I'm like oh it's not a competing product. It was it was a startup company and what do you know it merged with a different company that had competing products. So I did learn some things along the way. Luckily, I didn't burn up my bridges too bad through that. But again, I, I looking back at it with what I know now, I wouldn't have used that product if I wasn't getting paid for it. I just got pulled in by the opportunity aspect. I got some hype talked on my ear and some, you know, give me lots of sweet nothings on how good I would be if I did this one and right place, right time and all that hype. So I'm, because of some of those experiences and I think how other people, especially there's lots of young people making, making waves and stuff, I'm like anti-hype. Most people have probably never heard of me outside of my own company. Uh, I, I'm not out there to try and create like this big wave or you know have everyone look at me. I'm just consistently plugging away the numbers, running through the geometric progression. I know if I consistently do this for two to four years, uh, I'm going to have more than enough finances forever.
Right. Okay. So I'm going to drill down on the customer who's been using your products for a month or so. You know, they're going to want to do the business. And there's got to be a conversation that you have with a customer after they like the products that shines light on the income opportunity. Do you have anything you like to say to customers that ask them to basically come and look at the income opportunity? Again, we almost like just get them sharing. Randy Gage would hate me for saying the word sharing right there. But we get them sharing the product with other people. And when they get their first check for four or $500 just by hosting a session, having people come to their house and take a look at it, then they start really plug. They start chasing me going, okay, like I just got $400 for doing nothing. Um, what, what's happening? So that, that's where the accidental business component comes in. Again, I think testimonials are a big thing. People will will use a product and get good results with it. You know, if you're in a service-based company, if you're using a service and getting good results, you'll probably tell people about it. I know Brian Crothers talked about, you know, if there's a gas station 25 cents cheaper, you're going to go tell everyone you know. You're going to tell your friends, family. And so people just start, they get excited about what the product's doing for them, and then from there, they naturally start sharing. At all of our, you know, sessions, presentations, whatever, we're still like, again, our presentations are 98% product focused with a slight thing at the end saying, hey, our company operates on a different business model. We're not marketing through retail stores. We're not putting our logo on Tiger Woods hat or LeBron James jersey. We, uh, we use word of mouth marketing from people like you, people who like the product. And if you're enjoying using the product, then, then you'll naturally want to tell people about it. If I ask you what your favorite restaurant is or what the best place to eat in, you know, XYZ town, you'll probably tell me without reservation where to go. And if I go there and rack up a $500 bill, are they going to send you any type of thank you check, referral credit, or, uh, or anything like that for referring me? Everyone realizes no, but they would completely send me there. And so my goal in any type of conversation with a product user is to make them realize, uh, and I say this thousands of times, as most people do, network marketing every single day. They just don't get paid for it. Network marketing is nothing more than recommending or promoting a product that you like. And that's something I pulled from Big Al, uh, from his tape sets, and I run with that. That's my entire goal with the product users, to make them realize they're going to do this regardless of actually trying to, quote-unquote, build a business, and that if they actually put a, you know, a half, <laughs> half a effort towards it, they can be quite successful at it. Okay, and you said earlier that when you do lead with common sense and you're talking to a prospect where money is important and product is not on the not necessarily on the forefront but there's an opportunity to talk about network marketing and the income opportunity what do you say to people like that you said that you're good at inviting them at enrolling them what's the conversation you have with somebody where product we're leading with the product is not natural uh, that's where I, I use your four-year career a fair amount because it's a cheap tool to just give out to anyone. Like it's, I think if you buy them in bulk, you can get them for 250. So I'm not crying over that. Again, because I'm in it, I can use, I can leverage it even a little better by flipping to my picture in the back. And the second someone sees you in a book, they're all of a sudden their ears perk up, going, maybe I should listen to this guy. But I'll say if, if you're interested in, you know, if you can use an extra 500 to 1,000 dollars a month, and I could show you how, would you be interested in in meeting with me? And then I whip out the book. And regardless of if they say yes or no, or even if they're interested at all. I'll, uh, I'll give it to them. And then another thing I got from Big Al, because if you just give it to someone without any type of guidelines, they probably won't read it. And I'll get them to set the, uh, the standards or the rules of engagement per se. And say, so, you know, if I give this to you now, do you think you can flip through it and, and read some of the key points by Friday if this is Tuesday? And if they say yes, then great, I've got a confirmation. So you're saying if I call you Friday morning that I could, uh, that you'd finish reading it by then? Yes. Perfect. What's the number I can reach you at? Or if I come back in, if it's a you know a waitress or a bank teller, then I can come back into their their area. And then you know if, if they're interested, then I can set up an even deeper meeting. If they go through the book and they're not interested, then I've at least saved myself a lot of time and effort. But if they do read it, they're already much more educated than I could ever uh, make them. But by leading with that third party, it allows them to hopefully see that I you don't have to be the expert. You just have to be able to get resources in people's hands. Right. So. Adam, would you, at the age of 25, consider yourself a networker in that the way you move through the world is you're connecting with people, uh, you're developing relationships, you're listening for opportunities, you make an invite, and you're developing your prospects from people that you just happen to encounter as you're living your life, 
or an and do you use other methods of developing prospects do you do any internet marketing do you you know scour facebook and message other people on facebook do you advertise do you do any of those things or are you purely a natural networker most of it's it's all natural networking. Uh, I feel like no matter what you do, we're in a, a problem-solving business. Regardless of most people's uh, product or service, probably solves somebody's problems. And so I just think of myself as being a problem solver. My goal is to help them get from A to B and, and solve uh, their problem in their life. I do have some people who I have um, recruited off of, of uh, Facebook. Again, that was in a problem-solving sense. I have, I have one leader in uh, Texas where I just came from last uh, last month, and she was a, a shot in the dark of a Facebook. Some social media blogger had done a, a post about one of our products, and uh, there's all these people commenting, saying, oh, where do I get it? And I just sent her a friend request and said, hey, if you take a look at this link and send them a link to my website, and uh, they end up enrolling, and we're one year later, and she's got, uh, I think, over 200 people in her group. She just hit our first uh, silver, which is our first level of leadership rank, and uh, she just hit that last month one year into the business with, again, no prior network marketing experience. But, yeah, most, most of our group is, uh, is probably pure relationship marketing. Um, most, most of my network is most of the people I've dealt with have been cold market because uh, I wasn't exactly hanging out in mom's groups. So I, I use cold market, whether it's a trade show or um, uh, I did farmer's markets. I really did anything in my first year. Again, the numbers, we had 561 people join the first year. Um, I was just basically trying to get my name out there anywhere I could. And, uh, and once I got in with them, then it was all their market. Um, I never even did list building. Like, I've only started doing that like the past two months since going to Eric's thing. Like, we've done it almost a very non-traditional way. We've done it slightly differently because I didn't ex- exactly start with all of the, you know, the skills or resources. I think I've got 24 people in my upline to the top of the tree. I don't think I even know who any of them are except for maybe two. No one's exactly came down and helped me, per se. <laughs> They're just spending your money. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? what it is. Uh, I, I can almost hear the people on this call, Adam, as you describe. And I'll tell everybody, unless you don't know, Adam is in the essential oils business. And as you describe how you've built and how people are attracted to your product, you're probably going to get a lot of people contact you off of this call, if not now, sometime in the next year, and say, "Hey, uh, what about that stuff?" Um, so, <clears throat> a couple other questions. You went to uh, Mastermind. And you went to GoPro in Vegas. Yep. Drill down on both of those events a little more and tell us, what did you get from those events? Did you have any epiphanies at those events? Did you have any breakthroughs? Um, well, it, it's it's a hundred percent. It's so good for building belief in the profession, in the business model that you're in the right place, right time, no matter what company you're with. Uh, it made me realize I've had my a really super easy two and a half year journey. I know I'm the rookie on all these calls, uh, but you know, hearing you know Orrin Woodward on stage and Chris Brady talk about them driving in circles all around Michigan and the the struggle they had for like years. That, that made me feel so good about myself and my business. So it, no matter where you're at, I think it will make you believe in what you have just so much greater. And, and you know, Eric was even more skill-oriented. He goes through a seven, uh, seven main skills in depth. So I think especially if you use GoPro as a tool, that's a great place to get some skills training. Overall, my company's never had much of a business focus. I believe our company convention, we've been around for 20 years, they only taught business after the first 17. So we've been 100% product focused. We can't count on our, on our company to give the business training per se. So I know for me, it was a, a real eye opener to what kind of power those events have. And if, again, if you follow Eric's book, GoPro, uh, Skill 7 is promoting events. And I think the more people you get to those events, your company convention, um, you'll just see a huge spike in your business. All right, you covered the dumbest thing you've ever done, which was uh, try to chase two rabbits. What is the smartest thing you've done in two and a half years? Finding mentors. Sent an email for a shot in the dark going, like, I wonder what this is going to take, thinking it was going to break my back and realize it was quite affordable put it together, um, and then you know, being able to meet with you in August and connect with other networking events. Mentorship will make your life 
so much easier. This is a business on time compression. Uh, again, if you can talk to someone who's been in the profession for 20 years and learn all their mistakes, that could maybe save you 20 years of mistakes. So again, hopefully I'm on this call compressing people's time frames a little more. So being able to have those mentors, teachers, uh, anything like that, it was so crucial. Focusing on personal development, I, I was like when I was in college, I was I was partying, doing doing the nightlife type thing, and and really didn't have much uh, much skills that I could translate over to my current uh, company business people. And so personal development for me allowed me to be the quality type of leader that could lead a, a group of ten thousand people, enrolling seventeen hundred per month. Uh, I don't know if it's, I've, you know, Jim Rohn, I've gone through tons of his stuff and I don't know if it's him who says it, but I'll give him the credit for it. But like, you know, a $30,000 person can turn like $100,000 a month or something along those lines. But I basically realized I had to work on me so I could create the kind of momentum I wanted. And, uh, and also being a, a constant student, um, I, I would never want to waste your time any time that we've had a chance to talk. I feel like I, you know, I got two years, one mouth, listen twice as much as I speak, except for on this call, of course, and, and really just stay as, as humble as possible and be willing to learn from other people's mistakes so I don't have to make them. I was not duplicable when I started. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know duplication was the, the key to the business at first. And I've still been able to have a massive amount of success in two and a half years. But, you know, all the, the quote-unquote records that I've probably set, my team's absolutely blowing them out of the water because, again, it's a time compression thing. I can teach them what I had to learn the hard way, and they're doing, doing it quicker, faster, better. And we're just having a really great time helping people out and, and being able to provide financial freedom for them at the same time. Yeah, so that's, that's a one way, a great way to look at what kind of growth you're in store for because if you look at your first year and how you sort of fumbled around in the dark compared to the leaders that are joining your team now and how the kind of training and support and leadership that they have for their first year, they should all, providing they have the same resolve and vision and motivation that you did, they should make your first two and a half years look pale in comparison to what they create. We didn't That's, even have a system to plug into when we when I started. Like there's there was nothing. Right. And and yeah, so anyone who comes in day one now has got a much better chance. I'm a big fan of Brian Crothers' uh, new book as well. I got that when we were with uh, lunch with him at Vegas. And, uh, you know, you have to have a burning desire and be super coachable. And so that's one thing that I've always tried to do is have a, a coachable mentality. And I, I think there's a, no one in any company – if you're coachable and you search out the right mentors and coaches, there's no way you can't succeed, in my opinion. Okay, next question. What do you love most about our profession? And I'm sure you've covered this already, but yeah, you um, so, what do you love most about network marketing? The leverage is, of course, good. Like I was a personal trainer making, you know, working long hours, split shifts, making $30,000, $35,000 a year. You know, I, I, I'm at a cool point. You know, I spent two years in college, spent $30,000 a year on college to get a job that would earn me $30,000 per year. And then now this month I'll make more in one month than I used to make in an entire year. And that's after two and a half years of building. Now, you know, my first goal is to make $8,300.33 because uh, that's a, a six-figure residual. And everything beyond that's been kind of like, you know, gravy on top. I, I really, like money's not my, my main driving motivation at this point, but I think most people come, at least my company, um, we've got a model of wellness, purpose, and abundance. Uh, wellness is, of course, uh, having an overall greater sense of wellness or well-being. Um, abundance is the money aspect. I feel like my favorite part of profession is, is having a greater purpose. Um, I know in my story I talk about when I was in college, I was, I was partying, living for the weekend, um, and there are times where I'd wake up and not exactly feel like I had a reason for being around. I wasn't contributing to society. I wasn't uh, being a positive role model to anyone. Um, aside from, you know, an honestly getting drunk and, and having a good time, I, I wasn't doing anything with my, with my time. And so there's lots of times I'd wake up, you know, hung over and say, you know, why am I even here? Like, what's the point of waking up? I don't need to be around. And that's not a very positive place to be in, um, regardless of if you're a youth or you're an adult or, or anyone, once you start feeling like you don't have a purpose. And so I think one of the things that's been driving me, you know, I feel like I'm chasing myself, honestly, with this business is because I, I just got so fired up about the ability to have a purposeful life and to be able to impact tens of thousands of people now in, in a positive way in such a short amount of time 
that 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 could never you know I'm I'm part of a movement I've created something with my team that's that I could never have accomplished in any other business model so that's why I really love what profession because you have the ability in a short amount of time to directly and indirectly influence tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people in a positive way and this calls again another representation of that I didn't exactly go about building my business with the idea of being on a motivational belief building call with you the idea of even meeting you was cool being in a book with you was cool being mentored by you is cool um, but to be able again I think there's over 600 people on the Facebook page I don't know how many people are live but if if 10% of the people on the call walk away like just feeling fired up about their ability to change people's lives in, in a variety of facets. Like that's, there's just, it's just exciting. And anytime I do a call, I just get excited. As you can tell, I'm not going to stop. Let's go all night. So you've actually got more than 600, Adam, because our numbers suggest that however many register, there's another 30% that show up for the call that don't bother to register. So my guess is there's a thousand people listening to you tonight. And I think you're going to do much better than 10%. So what you're speaking to is speaks to my second to the last question. And that question is about who is Adam Green three years from now? Who are you in the network marketing profession? And what are you contributing? Can you share with us? Perhaps you haven't thought about that, so now you get to think about it. If yeah. we fast forward, if we had a periscope looking into the future, it's three, four years from now, and we're looking at the network marketing profession, and we track you down, and we follow you for a few months. Not to your team and your company. Who are you to the network marketing profession, and what are you contributing? I, I'm hoping I can almost, I don't want to say create a new model or a new new way of doing things, because the old ways all still work. It's what I built my business on, but maybe just... The idea that, yes, it's nice to probably have a nice fancy car and a big watch and, and lots of other things that probably lots of young guys are motivated by. But overall, I think we've got in our profession the ability to influence so many people positively. So what I want to be able to do um, is be able to influence people in any way or, or form in a positive way, no matter what company, to be able to stick it out, fight their fears, and really crush their business. I should be at the top of my company's pay plan by the end of the year, the way we're growing. And so, you know, that, that achievement will be knocked off uh, off the list. And I really just want to be able to contribute, not even just to the profession, but, you know, overall to society. I think our world is broken in many ways. Uh, and I, I, one thing I know I don't want is I don't want money to change me. I don't think it has at this point. I don't need that much money to live off of. I still live a very relative same lifestyle. I'm just uh, reinvesting a lot of it into my business for our conversation in August. That was one of uh, Richard's million-dollar tips. He told me to reinvest 20% of my income back into my business, and I would see it explode, especially in recognition, and we've done that and had great results. But you know, I'm, I'm just looking at ways that I can – overall create a, a better better world and it might seem utopian or whatever but and lots, lots of things I try and do from a, I guess a humanitarian point of view like I don't exactly even tell people but I almost try and keep them secret I don't want to be boastful or bra bragging in any way but like a, a simple thing to do because lots of people sometimes don't know how they can help people the other day I was trying to figure out how I could reach more people in a positive way and so I just went on Kijiji which is a, a Canadian version of uh, Craigslist and I just typed in the word help and it popped up with any ad that had the word help in it. Now, of course, there's different things, but I found a couple um, younger families. Some of them were leaving abuse relationships, young moms, 19, 20 years old, and they just moved to the area and were looking for clothes, household items, and I just got rid of a whole bunch of stuff, and so I was able to gather some of that stuff up and, again, contribute positively. So, you know, if, if there's a 1,000 people on this call and everyone goes out after this and Again, I'm not doing this with any type of motivation to build my business or any way. I just want to be a positive influence in society. And if everyone goes out here and finds two people to help, that's, that's, that's a crazy amount. And the thing that I love about leverage and our model is, yes, it's great for building a business, but it's also great for, for spreading other messages or movements. Anyone who's seen uh, Pay It Forward knows the power of you know, that idea of you know, help two people or three people and if they pay that message forward. So I think of network marketing, honestly, as like a training ground for creating movements 
um, in any way or form. Um, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus and, and Christ, and so I can take every skill that I have uh, now and apply it to to other areas of my life and be able to influence people positively in that way. And you know, that's why like the, the money is great and all, but I'm not doing it just for the cars. I want to reinvest that into just creating positivity. <laughs> Again, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, those are the type of things that I'm really going for. And one one thing, I know I'm probably over my time, but I'm just not, so excited no, about what. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the one thing that that stuck with me as far as duplication goes, like you know, I, I've gone through your book, uh, Randy Gage's Duplication Nation. You know, I've drawn four circles, five circles, six circles. So one of one of the leaders in uh, in our company, she taught me. She calls it her 24 versus 531 model, and the idea that if you share with two people every month for 12 months, that'll equal 24 people in a year that you've reached with your product or service. Now, if, if you change your focus um, into a duplicating one where every month you find your two people, but your goal is to teach them to share with two people as well. So every month you find your two, you still have found your 24 people personally, but every two people you're teaching to find two people. And I don't, I don't know why I like this one better, or I, I just try and show it many different ways when I'm doing a presentation, but I think everyone can think of, hey, I can find just two people. So the 24 versus 531, if you follow that model of two teaching two for an entire year, it equals 531,440 people. So that, that really showed me, okay, if I, it's not all about what I can do, it's what I can get other people to do very simply. Now, that's in a utopian world where everyone shares the, with the two people. If you assume a, a 95% failure rate, you still end up with 20,000 people. If you assume a 99% failure rate on that two teaching two model, you end up with 5,341 people. Now, if all of them produce an average volume of 100, let's say, dollars or PV or QV or whatever your company's volume is, if they produce 100, that's still half a million dollars in volume and if you take your assumption in your book of five to ten percent average payout on your volume we take the low end of the five percent that's still twenty five thousand dollars a month that's three hundred thousand dollars a year so like where i'm at this past year we did how many do we do well we've done we're going to do fifteen thousand plus this year at least so i'm at least at a a, maybe a a 97 or a 98 percent failure rate but that's what my my entire goal and everything is to if it's not what works it's what duplicates we've probably all heard that. But if, if I do a presentation, my goal is not necessarily to get a new recruit or a new product user right then. It's to be able to empower them to do the presentation without me. And so before I used to be the expert in the room, I wouldn't use third-party tools, and I would get a lot of people to sign up and use the product. But not a lot of them probably thought they could do it afterwards. They probably thought, oh, he's so smart. He rattled off all those facts, figures, information. I could never do that. And once I changed my, my perception of, of how I was doing things, focusing on, on a duplicating business model, then my entire goal is not to get the most people to sign up, but to have the most people think, hey, that didn't look so hard, I could do that. If you can get your people to say, hey, I could do that, then you've got a winning presentation every single time. And the more you do that, hey, I could do that presentation, then the more your time frame has been compressed. Beautiful. Adam, you are a beautiful man, a, a wonderful soul, and a, an extraordinary powerful leader and i you know it gives me goosebumps to envision you three or four years from now because you're gonna you're gonna shake things up in a in a really really big way and that's a wonderful thing i have one last question for you as we we i can just hear people salivating saying no 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 ask him some more questions (laughs) i have one more question for you This is the final takeaway for people on the call. If you could tell everybody on this call three things and only three things, and it's the last coaching, training, mentorship, advice, input they're ever going to get from anyone in their network marketing career. The conversation that you're going to have with them in the next couple of minutes is the last input coaching conversation they're ever going to have. With what you tell them in the next couple of minutes, they have got to go build. What are the three things you'd tell them? (laughs) Oh, boy. Wow. Three. Let's go with this. Okay, so first you have to have – your, your absolute why for why you're doing the business. 
And with, with having your why, your driving purpose, make sure that in doing that, you don't lose yourself. There's a song by Toby Mac, and you know, he's got a, his chorus is, I don't want to gain the whole world but lose my soul. Make sure that when you're going through this entire process of building a business, that you're, you're focused on your reason for doing it. And especially if it's for your family, yes, there'll be some time sacrifices, but there, there is a, a balance that you have to have to be truly successful. Money, I don't think, will ever be the true fulfillment in life. I, I've seen that in my own growth. So as much money as I make now, it, it, it can't change me as a person. I still have to have my moral values and keep my why at the forefront. And my why is to, to positively influence as many people as possible. And whenever I do get around to having a family, I can, I can be a stay-at-home family without having any issue with that. So keep that why at your forefront. Make sure you're always, always, always keeping duplication in mind because if you stray from a system of duplication, then you're, you're setting your people up to fail. Again, it's not what works, it's what duplicates. Yes, I, I see companies or people trying to do stuff all online, no home presentations, no meetings. Like, I don't know how you find people then. And I'm not exactly concerned about finding success for myself because, again, it can work and maybe get you a little bit of success. But if it doesn't duplicate, then you're sacrificing all your people's futures into not being successful as well. I don't want to just win for me. I want to win with my team. And so Focusing on duplication ensures that you will have a much easier, smoother journey, but it also helps other people to win. And if you start doing something that doesn't duplicate for, for your group, then, then you're sacrificing their futures. And as their mentor and coach, you, you just can't do that. Third one, third one, third one. And uh, Last you know, thing you can ever tell me, last right. thing I'm ever going to hear all right, here, here's, the, here's the five M's of your business. More meetings mean more money, or more meetings mean more momentum. The, if you ever feel slow or, or you are getting discouraged with your business or you've got a whole bunch of naysayers, just go out and do more meetings, uh, you know, do more recruiting, whatever. Because I work with the mom market, mine is more moms mean more money. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I guess that comes down to activity. You can do a lot of talk. You can do a lot of reading. I'm a big fan of personal development for sure, but it all comes down to action implementation. And uh, also, I think this might have been from uh, Randy Gage's Duplication Nation, but uh, the person who does the most bad meetings makes the most money because a bad meeting will eventually turn into an okay meeting. Okay will turn to great. Great will be even better. And pretty soon you'll be giving rock star presentations. And I think if, if you can have that in your mind going out, Obviously, you don't want to do a whole bunch of bad meetings, but most people let fear probably even holding them back, hold them back from doing that first meeting because they're afraid of rejection, afraid of what people are going to say. And if you can just know going in that, hey, I can hammer through the first year or two or my first couple of rejections or my first few meetings that are a little shaky, but still keeping duplication in mind and my driving why for building this business, then I think you'll find uh, a lot of success in, in that model. And so, yeah, five M's, more meetings mean more money, more momentum. More moms. <laughs> Adam, you are on, on fire, my friend. And this was an epic interview. My and friend, you. you are changing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives. And it's an honor to uh, know you and listen to you. And thank you for this epic interview. I appreciate the time and, uh, and all your mentorship, Richard. It's meant the world to me. You're welcome, buddy. Good night, everybody. Night. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course, his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.